Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, the podcast about the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. Today is a special day in our show's history as we celebrate episode number 200. I don't really have any idea how long we've been doing this, but because we have this number on our run sheet, I do know how many we've been doing this. So we're going to celebrate 200 today. My name is Mike Frizzell, also known as Jail Dude, and I live in the Kyle, Texas Insect Museum. And to help me talk about the history of the show, as well as recap last week's TBTL, is the entire full-time on-air crew of our show. And that includes uh, starting with my bestest buddy and remaining big toe, Bobby Pape in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Hello, Bobby. Good morning, Mike. Next up is my Texas Padna. Meredith, 78% of the way, Mayhan in <laughs> Dallas, Texas. Hello, Meredith. Hey, Mike. Then, continuing up the I-35 corridor in New Brighton, Minnesota, from the Justin Trudeau Lady Cave, is Ann Lundholm. Hello, Ann. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't say Pierre this time. Uh, and finally, co-founder of this show and the most beloved host of LRB, uh, from the early morning Carter Subaru Studios in Linwood, Washington, is the nice lady... Christy Wise. Hello, C. Wise. Hello. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> it really is. We don't do enough shows together, kid. I thought we gave them everything in December and January. We did. We did. It's just been so long since we've done one together. It's really nice to hear you. Thanks. Just to set the table here, we are going to take care of some LRB business, including our own origin stories with the show. Then, of course, we will recap last week's TBTL, take care of some housekeeping, including an update on the archiving project lottery, and finally let you know how to get involved and create your own LRB origin story. And with that, let's get on with the show. So before we get into our own stories, Bobby, we recorded a really fun show with Phyllis last week and posted it on Friday. Please tell people what they're missing if they haven't listened to that yet. Well, I think they're missing a clip that uh, Christy was incredibly upset that she didn't get to record with us. <laughs> we sat down with Phyllis and went back to February of 2008 to play a clip where Jen confesses a story of trying to jump on stage with the band. Actually, I shouldn't say trying, succeeding in talking her way on stage with the band at a divey quote-unquote steakhouse in Lake City and convincing them that she could join them to sing Mustang Sally, except for the part about her not knowing any of the words to Mustang Sally. Does anyone but the band know the words to Mustang Sally. <laughs> well, as I think I Why said, did they believe that story? I think they picked that song to challenge her, and she <laughs> went with it. <laughs> Lied. Uh, and Phyllis also told us all about her recent uh, driving woes with her Toyota Matrix standard transmission on the rainy, slick hills of Seattle, Washington. So uh, a lot of fun from Phyllis and just a, just a humiliating... And humbling story from Jen Andrews from 2008. Mm -hmm. A really uh, a great pick from her and a lot of fun to talk through. If if time weren't an issue for that show, I'm, we probably should have told some stories on ourselves, Bobby. I'm, we have a million. At least I know I have a million embarrassing stories about myself. Oh, so yeah. Maybe another time for that. Yeah. We'll call it the Takedown Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Go back. <laughs> the whole thing is pretty humiliating. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned that we're going to uh, tell our origin story since we're at uh, episode 200 there's this story of this podcast cannot be told and will not be told without christy wise because uh this was her baby so christy can you tell us how this podcast came to exist sure 
I really wish I remember what episode it was I was listening to. I guess it would have been whatever month it is, 200 years ago, minus one month. Um, I was driving and something struck me that was pretty funny that um, Luke and Andrew were saying. And I just thought there needs to be a show where we recap what they talk about um, for lots of different reasons. Um, people are behind. Sometimes I've heard people that they are a month behind and then they just skip forward to the current um, week because they don't want to get too far behind or people mm -hmm. that start at the beginning. Um, wh what we call them, the perfect 10 start at the beginning and try to move forward as soon as, uh, as fast as possible. And so I just thought it would be a great idea for someone to recap the show and also interview the tens because um, I think all of us are really interesting and how and the origin of how we come to the show and interact with it is everybody's story is is pretty interesting. So I thought that that would be a great show. I didn't necessarily think I should do it. I messaged Mike and said, hey, Mike, this needs to be a show. You should do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think you said I have to do it with you. Mm hmm. I don't want to step on your toes of. Well, um, I remember that. And I also remember thinking uh, this, this uh, it's a great idea. And I was already doing that other show. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this, this seems like a lot of work because just mm -hmm. producing that other show was a lot of work. And uh, I think I, I stipulated that we had to trick somebody else into Helping us yeah, out. Yeah, because neither one of us know how to do anything. Right, really. right. <laughs> We're the talent. We don't know how to edit. We right. don't know how to get a show on the internet or anything. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I'm not really willing to learn that. So, right. <laughs> so uh, we had to trick Jeremy into uh, getting involved with the project. And he wasn't much of a TBTL guy at the time, no. right? No, no. How did he react when you told him that he, he had this plan and, and that uh, you tried to pass it to me and I bounced it back <laughs> saying, well, yes, I'll talk. Like a hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy is always up for helping people set up podcasts. I mean, I think he's helped mm -hmm. 13 or 14 get started now mm -hmm. and working on at least two more as of this weekend. Um, so he's always open for that. And he gets really excited about, he, he just thinks, and it's true, the TBTL community is so weird. Um, <laughs> not the people, definitely, well, we, of course, we're all weird, but just this whole concept is really strange. You'd never have a community like this on an NPR show or yeah. any other podcast, really. Like, they may, what are, the last count, what was it, 10,000, 10, 100,000? loyal listeners but those loyal listeners give them five hundred dollars a year mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's it's different uh, it, it's just a whole different thing and so that really interests him of how this works and what tbtl actually has and so he was all for it so also i mean here we are 200 episodes later and jeremy's still an active part of the show although <laughs> thankfully not on the air. I think a lot of it is because, I mean, mainly because he's married to you, but also because I think he's a little scared of me. So I think that combination has cowed him into, uh, into this community, but I think he's enjoying it. I get the sense that he's enjoying it. Yeah. And I think, 
I think was it Meredith? It was either Meredith or Anne who's like, "Welcome to being a ten because Jeremy was mm-hmm. really mad You're about furious. the <laughs> yeah the light phone or whatever right. it's called, and and it's like that's it's joyful anger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good way to explain <laughs> what all of us have been mm-hmm. through about some subject that Luke talks about. Mm-hmm. And just to move the ball uh, down the field a little bit here, we. We did our first uh, couple shows as combination, like recaps, and we like interviewed each other for our favorite mm-hmm. episodes. And as Andrew would say, those shows were bohemoths, you know, they were <laughs> uh, leviathons. <laughs> leviathons or bohemoths. They were super long, and we decided to split it up uh, into a the ten show and the recap show. And I think that was a a great decision in retrospect, and it's allowed us to you know, have, have, have different types of shows and, and let them stretch out in the way they need to stretch out and not have to, to hurry along so that we can get all of it in. Uh, but it became pretty clear that splitting those up and then, you know, it was going to be a ton of work. So at some point early on, I think we had Bobby, didn't Bobby, we had you on and how quickly did we trick you into it? <laughs> uh, well, I started as, uh, I think the first guest, Mm-hmm. beyond you guys interviewing one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I came on and guested for a week sort of as a third mic. And uh, we recapped. That was before the split. So we recapped and we did my interview. Okay. But it wasn't my favorite clip from TVTL history. It was more of a history of cat rolling segment. Oh, right. 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 And so we dissected all of that. And it was another gigantic long show. <laughs> And I had no designs on coming on as a co-host so much as I just really enjoyed the idea of the project. And so I think you guys would post a show and I would listen to it pretty quickly. And then I would write my version of the synopsis of the show kind of jokingly and post it to the page. And we did that for a couple of weeks. And then I started submitting hot takes Mm -hmm. (laughs) either on the page or to you guys directly and then I think one week, Mike, you just shared the show sheet with me and you were like, just, just put your notes here. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like me. And that was that sounds you, like me. that was you handing me that brush mm-hmm. and saying, here's <laughs> right. the fence. See how this is really fun. <laughs> I'm having fun here. Here's a brush. Uh, and before I knew it, I was buying a microphone and explaining to my lovely wife that I was going to need some time in the office uh-huh. <laughs> on Sundays or whatever. Uh, and uh, we were up and away. Uh, and that happened pretty early and pretty quickly. That was that was a, a, a joyful way to get someone involved. The the, the next uh, person that was brought in was that actually came th- came through kind of a a bad situation in my life. It's like um, Emily was diagnosed with her brain tumor, and we were still pre surgery. And I knew that I, I would have to step back at least for a while uh, with my involvement in the show. And we had had a delightful guest on whose energy I really liked. And she seemed very professional, even though she had not done, you know, any of this. And that's how um, I came to trick Meredith into involvement. Meredith, tell that story. Yeah, it was pure emotional manipulation uh, by you. So I was on the show in August of 15. I can't believe it was that long ago now. 
um, as a guest, I was talking about Jen's uh, story where she went to Taos and had a hamburger thrown at her skirt when she was just <laughs> walking down the street, uh, which really was one of my favorite clips. Yeah. And that was a really, really fun show. And I had a great time. I was very nervous to be a guest, but I had a great time, mostly because I, I can talk about myself for hours and hours, and that's mostly what we were doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so it was really fun. And then... Um, Mike, you and Emily and Cullen were here. You were in Dallas, right? Or were you visiting Cullen? I don't remember exactly how that we, went. Yeah, we were like dropping him off at school or, or picking him picking up him or, up or one, of those, yeah. one of those things. Yeah, he, he goes to school in Denton, which is about 30 minutes outside of Dallas. Yeah, and so that was like a few months after I had been on the show. And we all went to dinner. Um, and you had said something cryptic in a Facebook message to me. Like, I have, a, I have an idea for you. But you didn't tell me mm-hmm. what it was. So the whole time we were having dinner, I was like, well, this is cool. I like these people. But what on earth is he trying? <laughs> what has he got in store Is he going to offer some swinging? I had like, no, what? like, and I really had no clue what he, I was just like, I have no idea. Um, and so he said, well, w- you know, he explained, I knew about Emily's uh, brain tumor. And um, he explained that he was going to have to step away a little bit and needed some help. And I thought it was going to be like on a temporary basis. Like, I'll just, you know, step in on some shows uh, while she's doing we know, treatment. By now, and- we know better. <laughs> we know better <laughs> yeah. And so I did a show and I was like, okay, uh, is that it? And they're like, nope. <laughs> Get a microphone. You're here. Yeah, here's the thing you need to buy. So that was it. Uh, that's great. Well, I think Christy, um, you got to take the next one because uh, you you Tom yeah. you're, you took the Tom Sawyer brush out of my <laughs> yeah. hand. I'm I'm actually trying. And do you remember what your first show was? I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, well, the first show that I ever made an appearance on was the Andrew, Andrew special, the, the Andrew first show. So what I did was. Um, when we were doing an Andrew, because it, it was much, they were, Andrew was saying, oh, I don't even know when I started on the show. And he actually fumbled around that this week too. Like, I don't know how long I've been on or what it is. So I looked it up and uh, with the help of the archive and found out his exact anniversary with TBTL. And then I put out a um, message to all uh, p- people who are active or who know him or, um, a lot of the arch- archivists and Anne is one of my favorite ones. And so I sent her a message. She instantly replied with a very well edited thing. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. She's my favorite. So then I believe, did you start in April? Uh, March? Yeah. March. Okay. So that's when my wedding was happening and I was at like operating at like, 110 level of anxiety so I couldn't possibly do shows anymore so uh I said well we're gonna bring someone else on to take my place for for a little bit and uh, we've had a lot of um criticism about my midwest sounding accent so I thought <laughs> I am going to bring in someone who has one as well yeah you you <laughs> want show me you all <laughs> You you don't want one person, so we're gonna have three women with Midwest accents. Boom. <laughs> so here you Love go. It. <laughs> um, so that's how we got Anne. Now Anne, you tell your side. Um, well, I was a very quiet listener, of course, very shy. Listened to everything from the beginning, and it took me a number of months to even volunteer to help with the archiving project. I think I was like four months behind after the project had started. And so when I finally did, like, I felt like I had some ground to make up. So I was working really hard at it. 
and, you know, becoming one of Christy's favorites. So Christy and I got to know each other a little bit by emailing back and forth. And then when you invited me to submit for the Andrew show, you just said, oh, just let us know what clip you want and like record a voice memo or something and send it to us. But me being me, I had to go and pick like a a two-part clip and I figured out how to load it into Audacity and I edited it myself and I wrote a script and I recorded the script and mixed it in and put in some sound effects and I sent it to you and I'm like, I'm sorry, it's so long, but <laughs> <laughs> but you liked it and I guess that um, put me enough in your mind that when you sent me an email that said, now, this is just a suggestion. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it, but <laughs> How would would you would you think about sitting in on a few shows? I was like, yes, yes, I will do it. <laughs> Did you even think for a second you were putting in your audition tape? No, when you're pu- <laughs> no. Uh-uh. And I'm curious about your your transition from uh, complete shyness and no contact with any show that you ever listened to to uh, soon after completely comfortable hosting a show. I mean, that that's amazing to me because I mean, you, you were, you didn't seem to be that personality type, but now you are. No, the, the thing about me is that I am so reserved and introverted that people make the mistake of thinking that means I don't have a personality or I'm not interested, mm-hmm. but it just takes an awful lot to make me relax and feel comfortable and feel safe. And the fact that I have done it this quickly, it's been less than a year, is actually says a lot about you guys and a lot about the the LRB community that I felt able to show my true personality and, and let my hair down this quickly. So props mm-hmm. to everybody out there for being Aww. so awesome to me. Oh, that's Aww. nice of you to say. So uh, here we all are um, for episode number 200. And I guess, um, you know... I can't not hand brushes out. So, Anne, you have the throw your phone (laughs) moments for the week. I do. (laughs) Well, I just want to quickly highlight a few things. Uh, We had a lot of feedback on our, um, not the Phyllis episode, but the interview before that for Dana and the talk about the trapeze and kind of facing your fears and taking a step. We had tons of feedback and everybody said that that show was awesome and everybody loves Dana, which I agree with. So uh, after you listen to the Phyllis episode, go back one more week and listen to Dana's episode. There was surprisingly little TBTL, but it was a great episode, <laughs> I thought. And it came about because of TBTL, though it wasn't directly um, TBTL content necessarily. Um, feedback from last week's recap. My favorite piece of feedback came from Bob Stein, who said on our uh, Facebook page, okay, number 198, that was the show, the last recap show, reminded me of some throw the phone moments I had. One, Luke and his consumerist love of technology. I just want to dope slap him when he goes on his buying sprees. (laughs) (laughs) Two, the fact that he puts Carrie into acting as his mother and shutting down his buying compulsion. Is he not an adult? That was rhetorical. Obviously, he's not. For one thing, it's sexist. (laughs) And B, it puts her in an untenable position, and I'm sure it does nothing for his self-esteem. Don't hack it, buddy. Grow up, buddy. I love that, Bob. 
because I think it speaks to a, a gripe that Carrie's had that very often he puts her in the position on the show of feeling like she's sort of the fun cop. I mean, that's sort of naturally mm-hmm. what Andrew wants to be. Mm-hmm. But but Carrie is very much cast in the role of, of being the person who is no fun and sort of putting the kibosh on all of Luke's plans. And she doesn't care for that very much. And so this is another area in his life where he's forcing her to uh, be the limiting factor. So I thought that was a great comment from Bob. I just enjoy Bob's writing. He's really talented. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, re- I reread his stuff all the time. Yep. Yeah. That's great. Uh, we also had a comment from Ashley on the Facebook page. That she said, I'm going to need that Mexican martini recipe that Mike made for <laughs> Meredith during the show last week. And if you haven't seen it, Mike did post it in the mm-hmm. show notes. So avail yourself of that. You can always look it up online at Trudy's Mexican Martini. It's just a knockoff of a restaurant here in Austin. And uh, finally, on feedback from last week, Ellen said that she 100% agrees with me. Put your butt on the seat. It will not kill you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the only other thing that is uh, non-episode related that I want to talk about, we got a couple of voice messages from Anthony this week, uh, neither of which were exactly right to play on the show, but they um, they were really interesting. Andrea... Anthony, I just have to say, I agree with you about Mike Pesca. I think sometimes Mike Pesca is just too Mike Pesca. Um, But he had a very intriguing theory uh, about Luke and Twitter and how Luke at the beginning uh, crapped all over the idea of Twitter. He tells that story about how he was at a dinner or something with Biz Stone (laughs) and he told him to his face that he thought it was a dumb idea. So now Anthony thinks that Twitter is out to get Luke. And that's why he can't get verified. <laughs> that's a because theory. <laughs> he slammed oh, them. So now they're not going to verify that. And they've rolled Andrew into it, which is also why Andrew cannot get Twitter verified. So Andrew is, <laughs> is just a casualty of the Twitter war. Yep. Guilt by association. Exactly. So thank you very much, Anthony. I was extremely amused by those voicemails. They were great. Me too. <laughs> and that is what I have right now. We each uh, decided to take a day since there are five of us. And I guess, um, Anne, you have Monday, so we're throwing it back to you. Let's uh, start our review. I'm just front-loading this episode. (laughs) And I have Monday, number 2325, Pulling a Baby. The first thing we have to talk about is Andrew's weekend adventure at Claim Jumper. And let's be... uh, Let's be very particular. It is Claim Jumper with no S... So let's remember that from now on. Um, but they really don't actually talk about Claim Jumper very much because they get caught up in talking about <clears throat> a, a next door restaurant called Twin Peaks. And uh, although Andrew thought that this could be a Twin Peaks, the TV show reference, uh, no, it turns out to be a reference to boobs. And I mm-hmm. think Luke categorized <laughs> it as a, a Hooters type situation. Yeah. And I really don't want to. Um, talk too much about the joke Luke made about Red Robin and the the <laughs> penis, but we can <laughs> if people want to. I think he just did it. I think that was the joke. Yep. <laughs> that was unnecessary, Luke. Um, so so they talk. T- can can you imagine an entire themed chain restaurant on the TV show Twin Peaks? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe a murder mystery dinner. Yeah. Um, 
restaurant? I think it would be a cool place. Like if it was all yeah. weird. Like if the log lady was bringing your chicken wings? No, it doesn't have to be where the people are dressed up like characters. But it could look like... The, I mean, actually, if you go to North Bend, where it was filmed, they have the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can just go there. But I'm talking Coffee about and the, cherry pie, right? I'm talking about the mass commercialization yeah. of burnt burnt bacon and, and black coffee. Like, it needs to be mass appeal. So you're going to need the hot pants. Mm. I, I don't know. It seems like something that would be in Vegas or New York. Oh, right. Just like... They have like the, a not, Jekyll not a and cha- Hyde. Not a big chain, but just like... Yeah, like a Planet Hollywood yeah. type thing where there's like one in every big city or something. Right. I don't right. know. It worked for Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Exactly. Sure. They're all over and the they, place. They have... And they had like... In New York, I don't know if they still do, they had like a Jekyll and Hyde themed restaurant where they would reenact the whole thing while you were eating, like dinner theater. So... I don't think it's far off, but a little diner that's in the vein of bubblegum shrimp. Do you think I, I can get that. a discount at bubblegum no, shrimp you've company? Got a, I haven't one, tried. One more leg and then you can get a job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Luke wants to know if Andrew could have been tricked into going to Twin Peaks and how he would have reacted if he if he did go there. And Andrew says that if he was with a group, he would stick it out, of course. I mean... If there was some sort of group consensus, he would just go along with it. Uh, if he was by himself, he would leave if he realized it right away. Oh. I, I suspect mm-hmm. that if he had gotten down and sat at the table and got his napkin out and got the bread basket, then he wouldn't <laughs> storm out <laughs> at well, that Emily point. more or less got tricked into going to Twin Peaks. She was on the road for business. This was a couple of years ago, and she works with mostly dudes, and they're mostly you know dumb tech guys that you know they're not. They're not very skilled in um, the social graces or whatever. So they're like, all right, everyone, we're going to Twin Peaks. And so she found herself dining at a Twin Peaks with a with a bunch of dudes. And she didn't walk out. So if she's tough enough to to get through the whatever lederhosen they're wearing or, you know, halter tops or whatever. <laughs> I have almost made Andrew that mistake. It it's not as – the signage isn't as blatant as a, ho- no. a Hooters. Like you right. could get – by thinking that it was a mountain-themed restaurant. Right. <laughs> this is an outdoorsy I, sports bar. Sure. There's also a difference between Emily going and Andrew. Because Emily has those parts. And Andrew just is like, I don't want to look. I don't want to be objectifying. I mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. His, his not wanting to be there. Andrew's still scared of ladies on some level. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to laugh that loud. <laughs> you really touched a nerve there. I, I, I believe. Actually, you. these uniforms are way worse than Hooters. Uh-huh. Are they? Oh yeah, I'll put a show picture. No, no show picture. Mike, we got a lot of week left, guys. It's the beginning of Monday still. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Andrew gets his feminism on over this uh, about how appropriate it is to to uh, eat at a, a Twin Peaks or a Hooters, but Luke doesn't really care. You know, it's one of those things that doesn't affect him. He doesn't have to think about objectification of women. So, whatever. He'll eat at Hooters. The wings are great. No, they um, <laughs> And he talks about eating at the Hooters at, at the Peach Bowl. And he, he wouldn't have known that there was anything sort of weird or amiss about it. He found it to be a very non-sexual place. Didn't he have his brothers with him? I mean, they're yeah, grown adults at the now. Restaurant. He was at the restaurant near their hotel. Yeah. Um, he, again, brings up his disappointment 
at the performance he went to of the Thunder from Down Under. Like, if he's going to go to a male review, he wants to see some penis. I, I couldn't agree more. I had to go to this monstrosity that is the Thunder from Down Under. And it it was terrible because, first of all, it's probably about 200 screaming women that are, like, menopausal and um, throwing beer at each other and at the men. Ew. And they don't even, they don't, they barely get down to underwear. It's really weird, and you spend $200 on this. And I heard they're not really Australian. No, it's all fake. That's the worst part. Even even the MC who (laughs) talks the entire time is not... I mean, it's not hard to find an Australian to to hire. So he kept slipping in and out of his American in this terrible Australian accent. Oh, well, what it sounds like to me, Christy, (laughs) is that you need to set up... Uh, your own mail review that delivers the goods. Yeah, well, I I'm back to thinking the Red Robin Wiener Restaurant is not a bad idea. I think I would enjoy the steak fries much better. Hot dog themed. <laughs> well, they end this uh, conversation by uh, Luke saying that Andrew just doesn't like his mammary fun and his family fun getting jumbled together. <laughs> I think that's probably true. Uh, Luke and Carrie hosted the Port Townsend Film Festival fundraiser the, over the weekend, and Luke talks about the the Trump jokes that they wrote and the whole concept behind them. And then he says that on Monday, that day, the New Yorker actually did the same premise, but he says uh, his and Carrie's jokes were better than the New Yorkers, mm-hmm. of course. And then he went on to explain exactly why they were funnier, and I wrote down, explaining the joke is funny. <laughs> Um, and that takes them into Oscars talk and all anybody wants to talk about is the best picture announcement debacle with Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway and every, excuse me, everything that happened and everything that didn't happen. And, uh, Luke starts out by saying that it's kind of crazy, uh, how pointless the La La Land speeches are, were to listen to when you know that they didn't really win. And I kind of took exception to that because, Regardless of the fact what that the the picture didn't actually win, why does he feel the need to just shit on other people's sort of poignant emotional expressions? So what? They didn't win, but they still thanked everybody who helped them. They got a, I don't know, a, a false chance, but it was a real thing. So I just think when someone speaks from the heart, that demands respect from everybody else. So don't talk about how pointless it was, even if it was pointless. So uh, Andrew didn't watch because he hates the Oscars and he didn't really read any of the articles. I mean, maybe a couple of things. He kind of glanced at it. But uh, this annoys Luke. And I know that it annoyed somebody else who is on this panel. Yes. I have some things to say about this. Um, I'm going to forgive Veeves on this one because she only has one podcast about pop culture. (laughs) <laughs> and commercials uh, for not watching. And I even forgive her uh, for the Super Bowl thing because I'm sure she, when she was booking their trip, she was finding some great rates because it was Super Bowl weekend. And she didn't realize that at the time. It's kind of hard to know a couple months out, you know, when you're you're booking, you're just looking at dates. They don't mean much, you know, early February when you're a, a big, a lifetime, a lifelong sports fan like myself, it means something to me, but Veeves is relatively 
you know, late in life sports fan. So is Andrew, frankly, but they both probably would have loved to watch the Super Bowl and would have loved to watch the commercials. So they kind of blew that one. But this one, this one was an easy one hop grounder to throw to first. This was uh, you knew when it was you weren't busy. You were playing Monopoly on your phone and watching. What, what did he say he was watching? Rockford Files or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand you don't like the Oscars. I don't like award shows either. But I don't have two podcasts about pop culture. And this is the Super Bowl of pop culture. Let's not kid ourselves. This is the one. It's like a worldwide event that everyone is watching. Um, not because we've seen all the movies. I mean, obviously, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone else here, but I think I've only seen one of the movies that was nominated for best picture. So, you know, um, it's not, it's not like it, it is riveting, but you've gotten to a point in your, this is your career now, Andrew, this is your, this is your job. People care what you think about these events. And this is the biggest event of the year for a lot of people. So you can set aside and you can even hate the Oscars. Just tell us why you hate them and tell us specifically why you hated this particular broadcast. That would be interesting. And also you would have seen the commercials for your other show and you'd be able to talk with Luke about this on your show that has thousands of listeners uh, who who are very interested in, in hearing what you have to say. So the fact that he not only didn't do that, he didn't watch it, but he also, after after the controversy started, and it was obvious, I mean, it was everywhere, you knew something had happened, that he didn't really dig into it and try to figure out what happened and try to develop um, some sort of uh, coherent thoughts or feelings about it, that that was the cherry on the top of my anger uh, <laughs> pie. So um, there you go. There, That's what I have to say about it. I had a long conversation on uh, Messenger with a, a good friend of the show, and I hope I got their points out as well as my own because um, there was a lot of anger. Uh, among some some people, some very very intelligent people, and people who have appeared a lot on TBTL. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. What do you all think about this? I mean, I have I have thoughts. First, you said cherry and pie in such close order mm-hmm. that I'm worried we have to play warrant under your whole thing now. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was seeing red, a cherry red. Two, I had no idea that you had a conversation with Mort about this, but I'm so glad you did. Yeah, Mort was <laughs> beside himself. I mean, I'm with you. I think we vented about this all week. Um, I didn't watch the Oscars, but I don't have multiple podcasts about pop culture. <laughs> Just do your job. That's all that is. Yeah, yeah, you're in New England. You know that phrase. Yeah, exactly. Fucking New England. Yes, do your job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he needed to watch the whole thing, the whole million hours of no. nonsense. No. Um, but once it became a news story, I would have liked him to at least have seen the clip. Yeah. Minimum. He could have done what so many of us do all the time for work, which is lie and say he watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it was appalling. <laughs> there was nothing else to talk about except for the very end. And you could catch that right. easily yep. in a couple exactly. of minutes. Be up to date. I was out that night doing something. I don't remember what, but somebody asked me if I was going to be watching the Oscars. And I said, no, I'm going to watch the 10 minutes of highlights tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's exactly yeah, what I right. did. I happen to have it on the DVR because I, I DVR'd it for Cullen because he loves the Oscars. Mm-hmm. So when he comes home, he's going to want to watch it over and over and over again. So I was able to, when the thing jumped off, I watched some of the show, but I think I went to bed before the the big bullshit happened. And then the next morning I was able to you know watch it from front to back 
And it's not hard to DVR something, uh, Andrew. Right. Yeah. No. Not hard. <laughs> I, I used to be like Colin. I would see every movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they expanded it to 10, I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't it's know if investment. I can do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, Jesus. And then the last, like, two years I've just been out on it. The whole thing just... Mm-hmm is so Hollywood patting themselves on the back. And and how can you, I mean, everyone says this, right? How can you judge one one performance against another if they're not acting in the exact same thing? I don't like mm-hmm. that. Um, but I really, so the story is that Carrie Fisher in her will asked Harrison Ford to sing at the dead people part for her (laughs) (laughs) and so i had to tune in because i needed to see if that was gonna happen it didn't spoiler alert if you haven't seen it um but i just happened to see that get to see that part i think i did also dvr it just in case but um yeah i mean if you you're on a podcast and you're gonna talk about giant news events and you refuse to talk about politics you gotta at least watch the clip it was everywhere Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Even I watched it, and I was totally uninterested in the Oscars. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's gonna, right. it's gonna come on any orc cart of content for this kind <laughs> of podcast. Well, and Luke says that this was a really bad thing that happened, and Andrew says, "But was it?" And I thought he was going to take it in terms of because don't we have bigger things to think about? I mean, in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of what's going on in the world today, I mean, the Oscars and the self-congratulatory spectacle of Hollywood, that's not that important. But no, that's not where he went with it at all. He says it wasn't bad because everyone's talking about it. He went with the standard. Yeah, he's not wrong. I, I don't know that I agree, <laughs> though, because uh, all publicity. I bet the viewership jumps up next year. Oh, I don't. Really? No. Oh my gosh! No, I. Well, we'll I, have to wait a year to see who's I right. Guess, I guess we will, but I don't see how one um, random thing going wrong at the very end of of the Oscars, and then we have a whole entire year. I don't know that. I mean, it was sort of a one in a million event. Why would you tune mm-hmm. in thinking that something similar would happen again? I mean, it's yeah, lightning striking twice. This specific thing is not going to happen again because they're clearly no. going to have to make some changes in how they hand out those envelopes and how they label them. Um, well, so and the some Price Waterhouse freak thing will have to. Happen. Yeah, the Price Waterhouse guy is not going to be allowed to tweet. No. During the ceremony <laughs> anymore. He should lose his job. They yeah, did a bad probably. job all around with those oh, envelopes. Yeah. He but, can go back to being Matt Damon's body double. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on, uh, Andrew says that as a spoof, he applied for Twitter verification. He mentioned absolutely nothing about it to Luke because he just wanted to be able to spring it on him and be haha. And I agree, that would have been an awesome oh my joke gosh, best. Oh if my. that had worked. But he got denied and it hurt his feelings. And He's surprised because he doesn't care about being Twitter verified. He never cared about being Twitter verified. But now that he has been rejected, he finds that he actually cares more than he thought he would. Um, Luke is trying to spin this in a typical <clears throat> a typical Luke fashion by saying that um, due to his status in having a pretty decent, a healthy uh, Twitter follower population, plus... Uh, the fact that he is not Twitter verified, it puts him in kind of a cool kids club. Like, 
See, I'm totally popular, but I just don't care about it enough to want to be verified. So that makes me cooler than all the rest of you. Does anyone buy this? No. No. He desperately wants to be Twitter verified. He desperately wants to be Twitter verified. He also pretended, he said something like, I've got north of 10,000 followers. He has 12,442 followers, and he knows that every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want them to take this seriously. Stop doing it as a spoof. Stop talking about how you don't really care. Stop thinking you're going to do it in five minutes during the commercial break. Just go ahead, take half an hour, sit down, and fill out the damn application and just submit it. And let's be done with this. Just take it seriously. I'll tell you, it doesn't even take that long to fill it out. As long as you've already met the basic requirements that they've laid out, which I have. It's not that hard. You can fill out the actual form in like 10 minutes. Uh, And I know because I did it just because of this conversation on Tuesday just to see what it was like. And as it happens later uh, this last week, I ended up in a situation where being Twitter verified would have actually been really handy. Because um, you may know if you've ever Googled my name over and over again like I do that there is (laughs) – a Robert Pape in the world who is, believe it or not, more famous than me. What? Uh, he is a, he, I know. Well, in some circles. He is a professor at the uh, University of Chicago, and he is an expert on uh, suicide terrorism. And so he pops up once in a while on CNN, and he's written some books, and he's uh, Dr. Robert A. Pape. Uh, and... Uh, once in a while, I get a message on Facebook from someone who thinks I might be him. They're clearly not looking too closely at the posts or the profile picture, um, but they're looking for him. And it doesn't happen often, but when I put in my thing to Twitter, I did specifically note, like, there's another Robert Pape. People confuse us. I am a media personality. He is not. So this is why I should be verified. Um, And I use the term media personality extremely loosely, thanks to the microphone (laughs) I'm talking into right now. And the microphone in your your profile picture. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's uh, pretty handy for that. I look like a real big deal until you realize I'm standing (laughs) on a baseball field. Um, After all that, just a couple of days later, I got wrapped into a tweet from the Southern Poverty Law Center because uh, the other Robert Pape co-authored an opinion piece that published in the Washington Post last week uh, about terrorism and the way Trump is handling immigration. And they pulled a quote from that article and attributed it with a link and then by my Twitter handle. (laughs) They just grabbed the wrong Twitter handle. In fact, I don't think the other Robert Pape's even on Twitter And my phone blew up with hundreds of notifications from retweets and likes and people like responding and hitting, you know, quote tweet and giving their political commentary back and some very smart people and some very ignorant people. And at first I just retweeted and laughed about it. And uh, then I decided to embrace it sincerely and I just hit reply and hit to everyone The best thing you can do today is donate to the Southern Poverty Law Center, which I agree with. It's a great cause. Um, But I also sent a tweet to Twitter. I forwarded it to the Twitter account for Twitter corporate. And I just said, this is why I need to be verified. (laughs) But but you being verified, how would that 
have changed that. It wouldn't because someone else accidentally tagged you. You, you being verified would have given more credence to their wanting to tag you yeah, it because makes it's like you look more celebrities legitimate. and famous people. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that would have. Well, Christy, it. thank you for shitting all over my idea. <laughs> you're, you're really just piling on. Thank you so much. First, you don't like denied. First, you don't like my scantily clad log lady. Now you don't like my trying to get Twitter verified. No, if I had a rubber stamp of denied, I'd, Pop it on there, right then. You're the registrar of No Fun University. <laughs> no, I think the whole thing about being Twitter verified is stupid. So, <laughs> anyone. Unlike Luke and Andrew, I actually don't give a shit, but I just thought it would be really funny. So, uh, yes, I got wrapped up in this whole thing. And still now, people are retweeting and talking about this tweet. And, and you know, it wasn't the biggest thing in the world, but it was just big enough that my phone wouldn't stop buzzing for a day. Also, I think I saw you on MSNBC on Friday <laughs> afternoon. That's true. I should get Chris Hayes to book me, or or yeah, you know, I'm sure I could make the um, like I could make the AM radio rounds as Robert Pape. I'm sure if I put it out there. Plus, you know, one of the things you need for Twitter verification is you have to have a website, and I do have RobertPape.com, so I have RobertPape.com, oh, yeah. and and the other Robert Pape does not. So. Uh, people, There's a lot of quality content up there, too. Right. I, I, yeah. I try. I keep up yeah. with it. So people yeah. looking for Robert Pape who don't know how to Google are probably just going to robertpape.com and seeing my CV and thinking that it's his. So mm -hmm. I'll just put that, that out there. Right. It's a good website. you got a lot of good content on there, a lot of relevant show content. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know. Some that's, lumberjack lady pictures. Some of my takes are too hot for the LRB officials. So <laughs> sure. they go over there. Well, at the end of this conversation, Luke flat out acknowledges that he couldn't take it if he applied for Twitter verification and was rejected. So really, that's what this is. This is all hmm. about for, for both Surprise. of them at this point. I know his fear of rejection has somehow pulled Andrew into a, a fear of rejection. That I mean, not that Andrew doesn't have his own fear of rejection, but this is a new one for him. So let's move on to a uh, voicemail for the day. Uh, somebody that they call Jeremy, who we'll find out is not actually named Jeremy, sent a <laughs> phone number uh, jingle slash song. Um, everybody raved about it. I don't want to um, crap on uh, quote unquote Jeremy's talent, but I wasn't a huge fan of that particular song. That was a long one. Um, there was an anonymous voicemail about life hacks who, uh, sort of apropos of nothing, uh, recommends that Luke try a sleep mask. He says, I'm not going to recommend a brand because every face is different. And <laughs> Luke thinks that if he actually had a sleep mask, he would sleep too long. And he's worried that he's adding too many conditions to be able to sleep, like to have the fan and he's going to have the snore device if it ever comes and all the other things that if he adds a, a sleep mask on top of that, then the absence of any one of those things will uh, make it impossible for him to sleep. I, I'm in there's favor some logic. of all these gadgets because it just makes for better stories. You know, when we finally find out that he's wearing a baldness helmet, he has a snoring <laughs> thing under his pillow and, and he has this brick or uh, what they got light phone or whatever. I mean, this is all great stuff. He's getting gadget crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I forget exactly how it happened, but they decided 
for the outro music for the day to use the Olsen twins, I am the cute one. <laughs> and they actually play it. I think that's the first time I've ever heard the entire song. That is bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's, really bad. it's an earworm, though. Little kids shouldn't sing. Nope. It's you creepy. Can't, you, can't stop, you can't stop it. It'll be in your head the rest of the day, no matter how <laughs> bad it is. All right. Tuesday, 2326, extremely medium. This is going to be the world's longest show, so I'm going to try and, and uh, get through Tuesday pretty quickly. <laughs> um, we start out with Andrew, for some reason, saying that he wants to work Garfield references into the show. Nope. I, I, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the, that his idea died pretty quickly when he actually looked at them. <laughs> yeah, he there did was it no a couple times. Well, he did it yeah. a couple times in the show. But they were they were unremarkable and unfunny, so we don't need to yeah. talk about them. What this did give us was a great conversation about Susie Burbankisms, um, <laughs> starting with her "What's up, dog?" drop her uh, foghorn leghorn accent. Um, Luke reveals that we all know that she's like an excellent source of content. Um, mm-hmm. Luke talks about how she's started to say "What every," um, and then she also says "Hello." Uh, kind of in a Sammy Hagar voice, puts air quotes around it, and then something about like moving the air quotes around, like dragging them down. Yeah, in in a lightning bolt. So remember, um, it wasn't it in Living Color? You like two snaps oh, yeah, to that yeah, yeah. in the Z formation. Mm-hmm. That's what I imagined okay. her doing. Okay. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. Andrew says he wants to say BT Dubs differently. I'm not even going to do it because I hate it so much. <laughs> Um, I totally agree with Veeves that it's stupid and awful and it should never, uh, see the light of day. And, and luckily he doesn't do it, uh, the rest of the week at least. So that's one of the reasons you have a lifelong partner or, uh, or get married is to have someone to filter out some of your shittiest material. So it never makes it to the rest of your friends or your podcast. Just save people, your, your significant other from embarrassment. I think my main purpose on this earth is to tell Duff that his fly is down. Um, (laughs) You're embarrassing yourself. Stop embarrassing yourself. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, so she's doing us all a service. Um, tried to, tried to anyway, Luke reveals that he and Carrie have a secret savings account that Luke isn't allowed to see because he would spend it all on Amazon. (laughs) God bless Carrie. She's figuring this out. (laughs) What would he do without her? He would be destitute. Keep him to his $500 limit. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I hope she also has a secret credit card with a higher limit. (laughs) Yeah. Get her out of some jams. Yeah. Uh, This also brings us to discussion of how Amazon Web Services died um, and affected half of the internet, including our Slack channel, uh, which which died that day. Christy, this seemed to bother you a little bit. I just think it's really funny when the the two of them are trying to explain what... um, what aws was <laughs> i think andrew said something that i just rolled my eyes at um which was well american public media they probably don't buy things from amazon <laughs> like that's not what it is he talks about how the av club had a somewhat regrettable article about those tourists who got fake married by denzel washington at the oscars and they focused on this fellow's criminal history a bit too much and they wanted to edit it but they couldn't uh, because of this crash i thought it was great that that guy had been in prison for like 20 years and they gave him um they gave them all cell phones and it was probably the first time he's ever taken a picture with his cell phone and it was yeah it was really the only source of of irritation i think for jimmy kimmel during that segment was the guy wouldn't stop taking pictures when he was <laughs> trying to talk to him <laughs> 
it was actually kind of charming and cute, and especially in retrospect. You're like, oh, he's like looking at this phone. Is like this is the greatest Amazing. thing I've ever held in my it's hand. It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to Garfield talk again. Um, <laughs> Luke talks about how he loved Garfield as a kid, which we all heard this several times. I think mm-hmm. um, he thought it was hilarious, but never once laughed out loud. I had the same experience with Garfield mm-hmm. books. We had a ton of them. I liked them. I don't know why I liked them. Um, you never actually laugh at a Garfield comic but you continue to read them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the top story for today is that Donald Trump likes his steaks well done and he slathers them in ketchup, uh, which is a travesty and a mockery of a sham. <laughs> the uh, ketchup part steak. or the well done The part. whole thing. All I mean, of the above. You wouldn't need ketchup. So you put ketchup on stuff to replace the moisture and the sweetness and the flavor that you have burned out of it. Right. Um, and I'm not one to, I don't want to shame anyone for eating a steak the way that they do. Um, but it's interesting that he's he's taking this weird uh, measure to make his steak taste good when he could just cook it he, halfway through. He doesn't like steak. That's that's period. He he orders it because it's fancy and it's the most expensive thing on the menu. But he hates steak. Yeah. This is how I ate it like a month before I became a vegetarian at eight. Like, yeah, this is how I ate it when I was a kid. You hate it. Yeah. I had a one sauce was my thing. It was well done with a one. That's a little bit. Because I like salty more than I like sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, Luke reveals that he put ketchup on eggs, which I don't think is that crazy on scrambled eggs. No, I still do. I love ketchup on eggs. Once in a while. I don't think ketchup is like a terrible condiment. I wouldn't put it on a nice steak, but, um, it has its purpose. Um, Andrew kind of realizes that his food rules are dumb. Um, that was satisfying (laughs) to me. Blinding glimpse of the obvious. Yeah. Well, it was kind of validating. Um, Luke talks about how they ate a lot of artichokes as a kid. I did too. I don't know if this is like a poor kid thing. I, I thought artichokes were kind of fancy, but my mom got us artichokes all the time. Um, and she would steam them and we'd dip them in butter. Um, I, I'm not willing to go through that much work for an artichoke anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going <laughs> to cook them. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think it used to be kind of, because we ate them too, that it used to be a poor person food yeah. and then it became fancy. Yeah. Like foodie and mm-hmm. everything. Kind of like how lobsters used to be fed to poor people because they were disgusting giant bugs. Yeah. And now they're fancy. <laughs> Um, they talk a little bit about putting butter or margarine on salami sandwiches, which is another thing that we did. Maybe that's a Midwestern thing, but I used to love salami sandwiches and it was just salami, butter, and, uh, wheat bread was my mom's jam. Cause mm-hmm. she tried, she tried to be healthy. More healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Real good job there, mom. Um, <laughs> and they talk about how ke- putting ketchup on a hot dog is like a weird food snob obsession. People are really anti ketchup mm-hmm. on hot dog. Again, it who is. cares? Who cares? I think that's more of a regional bias because I think when you go to different cities, they have a way they do their hot dogs. And no one's way is a hot dog with ketchup. That's like the Pizza Hut of regional hot mm-hmm. dogs. You go to Chicago, you get a Chicago dog. You go to New York, you get a Coney Island dog. You come up to Rhode Island, you get a Rhode Island Ripper red hot. You know, everyone has their own way. Uh, but nobody's says ketchup. That's the generic... Uh, Hot dog. That's for kids. Yeah. Well, the only time I'll put ketchup on a hot dog is when I go to the ballpark and it's like a seven dollar hot dog, and that I'm putting on everything they have. At right. Because <laughs> it's free. Yeah, it's free. I'm like, God damn it! I'm taking as much of this as I can load on my onion. hot dog. Just piled right, exactly. up there. Eat it like an I apple. Just, I just don't like when people care about what p- other people eat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. I, so. I love ketchup on my But of course, I bust on Andrew all the time. Yeah. yeah. And if you're eating a hot dog, you're beyond gourmet judgment. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Just well, the hot it, dog, not yeah. the ketchup. 
And it's not so much that we're judging uh, what Andrew eats, although we are. It's that we're judging how conflicted he is about it all the time and how he brings it up all the time. If Mm -hmm. he just said, yeah, I don't like cheese, and then we didn't talk about it anymore, that would be fine. Well, it's it's not even that simple. There's 20,000 different yeah. rules about right. cheese. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it's every week we're moaning about some new way that cheese is gross. And so, yeah, <laughs> then I start to get judgy. And how mayo mm-hmm. is gross, but not when it's called aioli and has a little oh bit God. of orange <laughs> stuff in it. Um, Andrew also talks about how he, his family were hot dog snobs. So they would go to the fancy butcher and get fancy hot dogs, which I don't even know what he's talking about. Um, no, I, I, I didn't. I appreciate yeah, that. They didn't come in the package, the plastic package. That's in the, the only way I thought hot dogs existed. <laughs> Me too. No, the, you can uh, fancy butchers. They have, them. you can definitely get nicer hot dogs. And even like when I was growing up, that was just getting the locally made hot dogs. So for upstate New York, Western New York, it's like the Zweigel's hot dogs for Rochester, the Salins from buffalo versus the um the uh you know ballpark franks or even worse than that the grocery store brand inexplicably inexpensive eight pack of hot dogs yeah we weren't that fancy no well i just think if your hot dog doesn't have the look and feel of a pencil eraser then you're doing it wrong (laughs) (laughs) it's just a salty tube Mm-hmm. Um, Luke tells the story about how he got very sick on hot dogs when he was staying with his Aunt Mary Lou in Philly. This is another story I think we've heard several times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he threw up several several times, winding up sleeping on the floor uh, oh. with an Afghan, which he again tells his joke about how Afghans are more non-blanket than they are blanket. <laughs> um, and then we move on to Weird Al songs about food, specifically lasagna. And they talk about the pretty awesome accordion solo. He's excellent at the accordion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he really is. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke said that they wanted to give a four-year-old, or he wanted to give a four-year-old child a toy accordion, but Carrie vetoed that idea, uh, mostly out of concern for the parents' mental health. Uh, I'm sure they appreciated that. And then moving on, uh, Luke gives us several media recommendations, um, including Long Live Benjamin, the story about a guy who has a capuchin monkey in New York, I believe. Nope. Um, Nope. 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 Okay. Nope. No monkeys. (laughs) It's my policy. No monkeys. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot you're anti-monkey. So you're not going to be reading this. Mm -mm. (laughs) I'm totally pro-monkey. I want to read. I want to see this book. I love monkeys, but in... In their places where they live. Yeah, they don't belong in New York City. That's no. for sure. That's kind of sad. Um, he talks about the Richard Simmons podcast, which I haven't checked out, but have any of you? It's amazing. Okay. Better than cereal. Wow. Uh, Has anyone else listened to it? Season one or season two? <laughs> well, two. Two. Let's say two, because I really liked season one. It's it's amazing, and I can't... They're not putting them out fast enough for me. Wow. Okay. So then we also talk about Crashing with Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes is great. I haven't seen that show, though. Um, it's another one to put on the list. And then he talks about The Wall on NBC, which is like gambling but not. Um, Chris Hardwick plus Plinko, sounds like. Yeah. Uh, that has zero appeal to me. Um, Chris Hardwick has become annoying to me, yep. and I don't like gambling. Yep. Yep. I watched it once because I love Plinko, but it didn't It didn't sustain. Okay. They Well, they had to find a way to stretch... The idea right. of Plinko from a two-minute bit to a what a one-hour show or whatever <laughs> right. it is. Yeah. Imagine a half-hour show of like uh, a Drew Carey putting, you know. Oh <laughs> nope. Yeah, it's like how I hated Who Wants to Be a Millionaire just for that exact reason that there's uh, five minutes of questions 
and mm-hmm. half an hour of so show. So they were all, it was all yeah. like, are you yeah. sure? Are you really sure? Are you <laughs> right. double ultra mm-hmm. really sure? Let's take 30 seconds of dramatic music. Pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. The lights and the music. It was all too much. Uh, the emails for today, uh, clarification that the fellow who made the song was named Ryan, not Jeremy. And that leads Luke to do his terrible Pearl Jam Jeremy impression. Um, and then a really great idea, I thought, is that a listener and his girlfriend uh, wrote in that they keep track of who makes the show title and when in the show it happens. So they mm-hmm. go, they start from the show title and work backwards and make bets about it. Sounds like a fun game. That yeah, sounds, sounds like, like a fun game. Lin Fam as a couple. Yes. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. If there was a spreadsheet involved, I'd like to see it. Yeah. <laughs> sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy, before you go to Wednesday, can I jump in? Because uh-huh. I was remiss on Monday. I'll just do our Simpsons check-in right now. Listener bet, of course, as always, on top of this. On Monday, the episode opened with the uh, KBBL DJ 3000 clip, which I love hearing oh, every yeah. time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so true that 95% of morning radio could be replaced by a robot. And then Wednesday, which Christy's about to take us into, opens with Mr. Burns saying he's going to go on the most popular radio show of the day. Uh, and also a clip from Homer saying, let the freak out begin from the episode when he realized that he has descended from hippies. Uh, that's our Simpsons <laughs> watch for the week. Thank you again, listener Ben. So Wednesday, two, uh, 2,327, bad day to stop sniffing butter. Um, it starts out with... Andrew hasn't eaten all day and now he's not going to eat lunch till four, but he also is going out for dinner at seven thirty. So they talk for a very long time over whether he should eat lunch, a big lunch, a small lunch. It's a lot of talk. It has the word snack ever occurred to anyone. Right, right, right. Like, why can't we have or moderation? Um, Yeah. (laughs) I love that Andrew, uh, Luke just says, oh, yeah, when I went to Port Townsend, I ate two frozen pizzas by myself. I, In retrospect, I probably shouldn't have put the second one in at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> He's learning. I know. Um, Andrew again talks about the claim jumpers. And I wonder, is this is claim jumper the new hot dog story? Mm. I, I think, think the phone story. Phones, yeah, phones are yeah. the hot dog story. <laughs> Um, and have you guys ever been to this Claim Jumper restaurant? I have been to a Claim Jumper. Me too. It's terrible. I mean, I don't mean the specific one. Um, I'll just say um, a little bit too much information. I've gone to them many times and I've never not had a just a minute wrong moment before <laughs> at the restaurant. <laughs> it's a little bit of shocky cheese. I used to live by one and everyone wanted to go there for happy hour because you get way too much food mm-hmm. for not very ex- not very much money um so i always ended up like oh work happy hour let's go it's terrible don't ever go there um let's see um luke feels bad for people that don't enjoy food and he mentions the mu- that the mummy just eats handfuls of candy every day <laughs> does he steal this does candy he- how does he get this candy? <laughs> Anyone who listens to LiveWire this week will get that I, that <laughs> reference. Um, and then Andrew comes up with a, a question. If a wizard walks um, up to your door <laughs> um, and says, you will still need food, but you don't crave it, and you will be skinnier, what would you do? Yes. And, yeah. Oh, a, a million times, yeah. yes. And Andrew says yes every time, and Luke says no. And 
I think that his assessment of this is like when you grow up skinny, you don't understand that. Anyone else have things to weigh in on this? I I agree with Luke. I mean, I think all of you are on Andrew's side on this one, but I I think I would want to go on the Luke way on this one. It makes me think that his his body issues aren't that bad. Yeah. He hasn't had it that long. Mm-hmm. Right. His body issues are about mm-hmm. seven years old since he started weighing in on right. Yeah, because if he really, really cared, if it really ate him up inside, he would take that gamble. Yep. Well, he also loses weight pretty quick. Right. I mean, he has all these l- little scams he does, but he can get he can lose 20 pounds quickly. Well, and he has found this low-carb thing and, and, and actually stayed with it longer mm-hmm. than any other diet he's done that I can remember, and it seems right. to have worked for him. Mm-hmm. So I think the pressure is is lessened on him. I think because he lets himself cheat, you know. Right. When you know he Eats doesn't two frozen wait. pizzas. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> well, and also because he has still a, um, he still has metabolism. So that two pizzas, he just goes on a jog the next day, and it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't make a blip on the radar mm-hmm. at all because of that. Um, and then Andrew says something interesting that I totally agree with is that when you grow up being a fat kid or adult or teenager, you don't like to eat in front of people because you think everyone is judging you at all times Mm -hmm. and that he wishes he could just get nutrients from water in the sun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, um, I don't know so much about kids. I haven't thought about that, but I think it's a huge minefield for women, regardless of what size you are. Um, because if you are, a, say, a larger lady out to eat and you get a, a burger and fries, then people at other tables look at you and they're like, uh-huh, yeah, that's why you got so big. Mm-hmm. But if you eat a, get a salad, people think, oh, yeah, that's not all you're going to be eating tonight. Mm-hmm. But if you're right. a skinny or, lady. Or you're trying to lose weight. Right. If you're <laughs> a skinny lady and you get the burger and fries, people are like, oh, that goddamn bitch just eats whatever she wants. Yeah, uh, you can't but win. If you're, Right. If you're a skinny lady who gets the salad, people are like, oh, she should just eat a cheeseburger. So there's literally no way for a woman to to win with public eating. I agree. Um, Next, we have the top story, which is also a sky jinx. I miss I miss that drop. So that was fun to have back. Um, Turns out food tastes different high up in the air. Yeah, this is not new. No. <laughs> no, it's not news. Um, <laughs> um, I did, the one thing I do want to... What do you guys think? Is Andrew guilty of his big bag of farts? Yes. 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 <laughs> I haven't ever smelled someone open one on a plane. I mean, I don't know. Is mm-hmm. it worse? Is it better? I'll have to think about that next well, time. Well, it's recirculating is what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's right. never going to go away. I think they're, they talk about uh, umami and sodium and mm-hmm. how people, they want Bloody Marys, Bloody Mary mix, tomato juice when they're in the air. I, I do crave the salt, I guess, when I'm in an airplane. But another thing about that is um, I like a, a glass of tomato juice or Bloody Mary mix once in a while. Not necessarily the, the booze with it, but just just that. But I don't buy it to drink at home because I'm old, I only want one you know, right. just a little bit of it. So when I'm on a plane, I take advantage of the opportunity, you know? So a lot of people say like, why does everyone do tomato juice on plane? Well, for me, mm-hmm. it's because I'm not going to get it at home and I still want a little bit of it once in a while. So here's my chance to have some tomato juice or Bloody Mary mix, which is goddamn delicious. But try drinking like a half gallon of it, which is about the size you have to <laughs> right. buy when you buy right. at the store I've, for 
I feel the same way about ginger ale. I only mm-hmm. like it on a plane. I don't know if it's that because the white noise sound of the plane or the <laughs> altitude, or is it just because I don't want 12 of them. Right. I want just right. one. And I don't even want a whole one. I want a tiny plastic glass you don't want a two that has liter 90% ice. Canada Dry yeah. in your fridge. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so they come up with a pretty funny idea, which is a sketch comedy about cavemen on a plane um, <laughs> dealing with normal things. Aren't those like called people were Geico coming. commercials? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and they came up with the name was Grok, Thog, and Tom, ESPN Radio. <laughs> so <laughs> I would definitely watch this show. <laughs> well, it depends on if there's any actual premise rather than this was a commercial once. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, wait, they tried to turn that into a TV show, didn't they? Uh-huh. Yeah, they did. And it failed. Mr. It was a monstrous failure. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was laughable. I would say it would have been a funny, like, SNL skit. Yeah. Not a primetime comedy show. Um, let's see. They talk about baseball, blah, blah, blah. I stopped listening until they had a new idea that if you're going to walk a hitter they have to actually do these crazy stunts like a wheelbarrow race <laughs> i'm in on that i'm back on baseball i have season tickets to this now i would just love to have seen like um what was the bones name jay buner and mike yeah jay buner trying to um wheelbarrow like s- some skinny guy right mm-hmm. or opposite the skinny guy has to wheelbarrow this 300 pound man like that was- I'd be in on baseball. I was totally uh, into see. the water balloon idea. Yeah, the water balloons, the wheelbarrows, maybe some like chicken fights, <laughs> get on each other's shoulders. <laughs> this seems like some kind of funny, crazy Japanese game show. I'm a purist. I'm, I'm a baseball purist. So what I'd like to see is the the batter have to put his head on a bat and spin around the bat three times and then try to run. And then try to run. As the as the organist plays like crazy, crazy Benny Hinn mu- music or whatever it's called. What right, was that? right. Like, Yakety sax. Yeah. Yakety sax. Yeah. 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 Um, we get some emails about sandwiches and salads. So, but mostly Midwest. That salad. Luke makes the sweeping generation generalization that salads in the Midwest aren't actually salads. They're all just marshmallows and fruit. Right. <laughs> I mean, some of them are. That's marshmallows and mayonnaise. True. Yeah. All right. Thursday, 2328, Sarlax Cantina. Luke is at Andrew's place. And for the first time, I sense that um, Luke might actually be overstaying his welcome at Andrew's. As, as they have a couple of <laughs> conflicts where he... Andrew wants Luke to leave the room a couple times, like he wants to podcast from the other room because he's a little tired of being judged, I guess. Um, Luke has not read or seen Catch-22 or seen Dr. Strangelove, and doesn't surprise me how many, tons of people haven't seen those things. They're not all old folks like me. How about you young folks? you seen these things? Yes. No. Nope. Yes. Okay. Catch-22 is bit. amazing. It's an amazing yeah. book. I mean, yeah. it's not like, yeah. like an easy catch- read, yeah. but it's brilliant. Yeah, the movie's a little much for me. I didn't enjoy the movie, but the book was pretty good. Um, Doctor Strangelove is is terrific, but I recommend mm-hmm. watching it high. I feel like I've seen it in <laughs> clips, but never all at once. You know what I mean? Like I know the story, I know how it goes. 
it's like it's a it's funny, but it's like eerie. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something that you might want to prepare your mind for before you go watch get it. Get a little fenced. Yeah, get get a little fenced in. Uh, Alan mm-hmm. Arkin's uh, granddaughter listens to the show. I had no idea. How do they even know this? What is the? She wrote in, maybe. That's pretty great. Yeah. I was really trying hard to picture Andrew playing basketball, especially in Sauconies, <laughs> which they, neither one of them could even come close to pronouncing even to this day, I think. And I don't think it's hard, but um, no, not basketball. She used the Sauconies. No. Uh, no, no. Luke, is, this is the best uh, best part of the day. Luke gets tricked into uh, being on, on TV, I think, on uh, New uh, day. King 5 on the NBC affiliate. Gosh, if only he had a PR person looking out for him. That's that's just so fantastic. Is is he he got bamboozled the way, you know, he will often try to bamboozle people under the show and he probably wished that he had a publicist that could keep him off of this, which is the thing that pisses him off because publicists especially you know, before podcasts have gotten any had gotten any uh, traction or legitimacy when he was in that that period between radio show and 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 live wire where he didn't really have you know much legitimacy because even though this podcast was profitable and so many people are listening publicists were just shitting you know they felt felt it was a waste of time for well, their they're not going to send their famous podcast. person to some guy's house unless you're mark Marin. yeah right mm-hmm. yeah you had to be pretty famous beforehand i guess mm-hmm. or I don't know. You have to luck into a couple really famous guests, and then it's a domino effect, uh, which is what it seemed like it happened for for Marin. Yeah. Right. So he pretends he, he sniffs around the the Girl, Girl Scout cookies on this show, you know, because part of the thing was they were tasting some new flavor of Girl Scout cookie, and he for for a spoof pretends he's you know he's on he's going to stay on his grind and not eat a fucking cookie you know right <laughs> for a two TV frozen appearance. pizzas are fine right. one girl's got cookie no for 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 tv's sake but then he gives into the comedy and just i guess starts feasting on the cookies which i bet was pretty funny i didn't see the clip though um jack taylor pulled a lot of good pictures from that i watched the, the clip i i thought it was um it was a fairly kind of, I mean, it was local TV. It was one step away from a Saturday Night Live skit, right? But mm-hmm. I thought yeah, Luke yeah, yeah. was easily the best of the three panelists on on there. Mm-hmm. The other two, quote-unquote, comedians weren't really very captivating. But I thought he was very funny and very charming and very quick-witted. So I thought it was a good appearance for him, despite the fact that he got tricked into doing it. <laughs> <laughs> what I liked is the journey of, of the producer his his contact with the producer you know getting contact and saying hey you got this live wire show coming up on saturday why don't you come on and you know we'll have a segment where you just you know promote the show or whatever and then by the time he got on there there was a host and and three panelists and there was a wheel of misfortune and they were eating cookies and <laughs> talking about dogs <laughs> and and, I, and how much live wire did he get in Oh, about 0.4 seconds. It was like Luke Burbank, the host of Livewire, and then oh. onto the wheel, and that was it. That's amazing. Based on the way Luke was talking about ticket sales for this show, I don't think he was in a position to turn it down, though. It sounded right. like he was ready to go stand out in front of the Neptune with a sign that he could twirl before the concert. Or before the right. right. I don't know. He's weird about sure that, though. 
I mean, when when I came to Livewire uh, in Minneapolis, he was talking in that similar way the whole week before, like, please buy tickets, come down and see us. And I, when I went, it wasn't full, but it was a very respectable crowd. So I think he has some funny standards about what he considers acceptable. Well, I'm sure if he's not wants... sold out. Then you know, well, I'm sure he wants to carry heavy in his hometown. Mm. You know, yeah. If you can't sell out. In your hometown, that's probably embarrassing. Well, it's also a really tough weekend in Seattle because it's Comic-Con, which means two things. You're either going to Comic-Con for four days or you want to stay out of Seattle because of Comic-Con. Um, so I, I didn't go to Livewire, but I'd like to know how packed out it actually was or was it empty because of those things. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to that one. Uh, there are some stories I want to hear, and I'd like to hear hear the crowd mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, both, uh, have recognized that this is, you know, this is how TBTL gets, uh, frozen out of, um, guests because they, you know, they, they, they can't really trick someone onto the podcast. They don't have like a, a, you know, that format that they can promise big things. All they can really promise is, uh, intimacy and like telling, you know, um, you know, the podcast is such a free-flowing format that if you're if your um client if you're say you're an agent and you have your your client if you have confidence that they are an intelligent person like misha collins and you know or or his ilk and they can carry a conversation for an hour and a half then you know if they're if just present it to them and if they're interested let them do it but i think a lot of agents don't trust that their mm-hmm. that their talent is smart enough or I don't know. I I just get the impression that sometimes agents don't have enough trust in their clients. Well, but. I think I think what Luke and Andrew really need is a booker. They need somebody mm-hmm. to go out and pursue guests whose uh, feelings won't be hurt if somebody says <laughs> right, no. Right. Right. You know, and they can just cast too, a wider too, net. Yeah, there's too much of their own self-esteem is wrapped up all in this for them to uh, effectively go after the kind of guests that could really get TBTL some sort of higher level notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke tells a story uh, of, of he had a guest that he had booked for Livewire and he was trying to get a picture of that guest's refrigerator because they were they were going to do a bit where they judged the guy because he does, I guess he does a lot of judging of people uh, in his <laughs> job so they were like oh well we'll pick apart what's in his fridge and the the producer uh asked the agent to ask the wife to take a picture because they didn't want the guy to know they wanted to like you know get him with it because the comedy's better if he doesn't know it's coming and the agent said well the, the wife's real busy she has two kids well this isn't something that would take more than 15 to 20 seconds mm-hmm. to do hey could you snap a picture of your fridge and send it to me it's for a bit you know, and if there's something if there's something you don't want people to see, just hide it behind the milk or whatever. You know, and I shared his frustration with that, but I mean that's just going to happen. When you have these ideas, they're not always going to land through all the levels they need to land through, or they're not going to get to the level because the wife might have thought that was a funny idea if it ever got presented to her, but it didn't, and that's frustrating. And I get that. I right. think a, I think more funny would have been to take his phone and look at his music like yeah iPod yeah Andrew suggested yourself. that as well too. yeah that that would have been a more funny bit than the refrigerator mm-hmm. i think there's there's more there's more potential in the in the refrigerator 
but uh, you I do think- because it's a it's a podcast. Anytime you're, it's like relying ninety percent on visual, right? Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, I no. mean the yeah the audience yeah. is going to laugh. It's it's a radio show, yeah, and you're going to have to describe what's in there. But I think the the music that's that's a reliable one. I mean, that's a solid. But I think there's more potential for bigger laughs with the fridge. Also, you, know you can saying? exaggerate wildly on the radio because yeah. it's the theater of the mind with the picture of what's yeah. in the fridge. Mm-hmm. But you can't make up the music. Right. <laughs> you can't just mm-hmm. just make up out of whole cloth what you know. What, right. What what music is in their collection or something? But. Anyway, either one would have been good, and he got neither, which yeah. sucks. Well, but. I, I really I agree with Luke that the he says the PR handlers of the world are incentivized to say no instead of yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's very true. But I also I don't want to hear about Maria Bamford's publicist anymore. I'm tired of it. Let's <laughs> put that to bed, please. Right. Well, and also my theory on this is um, that. She tells her publicist to say, no, I don't want to do these crappy podcasts. And then when the host is standing in front of you saying, hey, do you want to come down the hall? 20 minutes of your time. She's not going to say no. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. People are just doing their jobs. I guess that's what Mm -hmm. we were asking people earlier to do. So Um, the top Mm -hmm. story for Thursday, cat tongues are very uh, catchy. So uh, that's uh, breaking news. Yeah. (laughs) If you've if you've had a cat before, you know this, uh, but it does lead into a conversation about how pets are increasing in value to the childless. Um, you know, we're empty nesters now, myself and Emily, and yeah, pets are they take on more importance. I'm I'm sorry it took a dead dog on the freeway for Luke to start realizing how attached he is to his pets, but um, it is true, and it gave us the my favorite image of the week, which was a drunk Carrie. Yelling kitten, <laughs> meaning that it's Luke's job to wherever he was in the house to go find Olive and bring the cat to Carrie or wherever she's holding court with her with her glass of wine. That was amazing to me. Yeah. I love that. Uh, cat bells are a good thing, I think, especially if you have a cat who's going outside because that cat's going to mm-hmm. bring you a ton of presents. Yep. If you don't put a bell on that thing. It used to be. They also birds. get in less cat fights. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're territorial, so it's kind of a signal to the others. Um, It used to be birds. We don't let them outside, but one of our cats goes and prowls in the backyard and eats some grass and comes back in. And uh, he used to bring us birds. In Michigan, now it's lizards. Mm. Mm. Those are smelly. Disgusting. Um, I I see drool notes here, too. And (laughs) I mainly want to mention that you wrote that Stephen drools. Stephen also purrs pretty intensely. Yeah, if you haven't heard that for the last hour, he's been on my lap. And when he gets really lovey, Luke was talking about this, uh, that Olive will, you know, get on, on their laps and knead on the blanket and, and nurse on it. And, and Stevie does that, too. When he's feeling really lovey and wants pets, he'll drool. All It's disgusting. <laughs> it's cute, but it's gross. I'm just glad we don't have to edit out an hour of purring now. <laughs> yeah. It's part of the It's tapestry. audio spackle. People love it. So, yeah, we, we find out that Professor Theo is a drooling monster cat. That is, uh, uh, and that leads to um, talk of the Meowtropolitan Cafe. It's really tortured, uh, which uh-huh. is in Wallingford. And it only goes halfway with the puns that you can get in Americano because they couldn't figure out, you know, mm-hmm. a proper pun for it. But they have the Meowkas, the Cat Pacinos, 
and uh, I don't know with uh, I guess you get a it's a free cat toy with purchase or something like that. Um, we've had enough cat puns lately. I think <laughs> there's an email from listener Jim, uh, and somehow he was listening to the show, and they were using the term douche nozzle, and he somehow put it into his work, his technical <laughs> papers or something. I love this. <laughs> Has Instead this of exhaust anyway? nozzle, you're right, douche nozzle. Yeah, that yeah. sort of thing happens to me all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, you're you're typing something. You're like, I'm sending an email to somebody, and I'm listening to the show, and and I find that I've typed something completely inappropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. where does that? Go? Oh, it's because you're listening to the show, you dumb. So yeah, proof proof your work papers for sure, guys. I love it that he actually got as far as as publishing the drawings and then you know when he went back to look at them it said douche nozzle on the top and he was like shit i gotta fix that yeah I, that's you're gonna get a stern talking to if you don't catch it did he mention where he works because i just googled exhaust nozzle and i'm looking at the images and i'm seeing a lot of diagrams of jet engines and i just think that would be a really costly mistake by boeing if they put a whole jet together and then there's just a douche nozzle the douche nozzle. <laughs> Damn it. We, we, cut, we cut costs. The good news is we cut costs. Yep. Bad news is it's, it's not functional at all for this purpose. Uh, there's an email from Jamie about the Dyson vacuum, and there's a talk of whether, um, the, there, whether Luke has true love for his – I think it's true love for his devices or just tech lust because he's always going after the new thing. He doesn't seem to – seem to appreciate what he already has, except maybe that Roomba. And I think that Roomba is doing the job for him. But I I want a Roomba. I will say that. Um, we have all wood floors. Um, and we do have a, a, a house uh, housekeeper that comes every two weeks, and mainly because of the floors. Because, you know, we have all these pets, and the floors just get crazy dirty. And I sweep every day, sometimes twice a day. And it still can't keep up with it. And I I feel like um, I'm not Roomba rich. We're not Roomba rich at this point. But <laughs> it might be an investment, a good investment at this point. Because maybe we could cut cut our housekeeper You loose. also don't need an $800 one. No. They have all different mm-hmm. levels. We have mm-hmm. a Roomba. You know, we've got all these animals. I think I've talked about this before. The Roomba saves me a ton of time. Yeah. And, and, and I have two legs. So I think if anyone needs a Roomba, it's you, Mike. Stop mm-hmm. bragging. But, um, it is good. It is really good exercise, though. I mean, wheeling myself around with, you know, I'm usually just pulling myself with with one leg, so it's really good for that leg. And I'm I'm sweeping on both sides, and it's it's good exercise. So I don't want to let go of that. Well, I'm afraid I would get get super fat. No, it's not entirely maintenance free. So super you, <laughs> if you just from that. Sweep. No, you you have to go around before. So I have mine scheduled to go at two o'clock every day, and mm-hmm. before that, I have to go around the house and pick up cat toys and pick oh, up right. you know shoe things that shoelaces because it will like Prep snag it. a shoelace and then drag mm-hmm. it around the house behind it the whole time, mm-hmm. or something you know things like that. So you have to do a little bit of prep for it, but it's way easier than vacuuming or sweeping the whole house every day, which is something that if you have this many animals, you kind of have to do. Mm-hmm. Mike, I have a Shark Tank idea. What's that? We put you in the same kind of outfit that's made of Swiffer material, mm-hmm. and then you just roll around on the ground, <laughs> like pull your body around the house. What do you think? We've talked about um, hooking up something to uh, to Abby or to Ginger that's like an infield dragger, you know, that they... they <laughs> <laughs> And it, especially with Abby, because I can throw a ball or a toy or something, you know, into a corner that I can't really reach right now. And she will, she'll run in there and she'll drag that 
you know, drag it like <laughs> like the infield. We'll we'll uh, we, we'll keep workshopping this. Yes, mm-hmm. I don't want to miss. We uh, had a good throw your phone email from Sarah about this okay. topic, uh, and the guys were talking about sort of weighing the idea of getting the Roomba versus having a housekeeper come in. And Sarah said, if you have $850 to spend on a Roomba, then you have money to spend on a housekeeper to come and vacuum your floors. I sort of agree, but also they don't come every day. Yeah. This isn't a replacement for vacuuming. Like if I'm going to mop the floor, I have to vacuum it myself. Um, And I don't want to do that every day. Yeah. The housekeeper to keep, to keep, the floors free of hair. The housekeeper would have to be here every day, sometimes twice a day. Right. And that would get expensive super <laughs> fast. Right now it's pretty affordable every other week. She's, she's very cheap. And well, it just means that Sarah is not a weird animal person like you guys are. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I vacuum every other clean week like and that does it. Well, but Luke is turning into a weird animal person. So he's going to mm-hmm. be in this boat pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and or so child. I Thursday. Or the, uh, it, it might be a weird animal person, or it might be that there's going to be a child to clean up after soon. True. Mm-hmm. Something to remember there. Oh, that'd Just be cool. Saying. Friday, 23, 29, Tiesto drops you. And before I get into this episode, I just want to note, I think I said this last week too. I don't remember, but um, there are good Tiesto songs. That aren't necessarily <laughs> blasted out of a kiosk selling <laughs> purses and perfume at LAX. Uh, there are Tiesto songs I actually really like. Um, this is not one of them. So I, I really, really hope they find new donor music soon. Can I say something about the, the perfume and purse kiosk at the airport? By all means. Uh, uh, aren't 90% of the purchases made there by cheating husbands? <laughs> yeah, that's what i said about the jewelry kiosk at at dallas love field because uh-huh. i'm pretty sure it's just business dudes uh did something bad <laughs> they did something on their way bad. out out of the gate they're like oh they're okay I'll get her a tennis bracelet yeah so sorry okay i've seen airports that have uh flowers for I sale just, that's weird. i was just about mm-hmm. to say they should put a florist between the baggage carousel and the, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the yeah. parking garage <laughs> yeah so weird uh luke's back at uh Walsh Walsh and Darmat, and he has brought with him uh, four, that's uh, two orders, of the uh, sous vide eggs from a certain popular chain coffee restaurant. He's, he's, he's got to go. He, I mean, he, he's overstayed his welcome at Walsh Walsh and Dormat. Don't bring over some fucking <laughs> deviled eggs to someone's house and start <laughs> snarfing them down. And you know that he never cleans out the lint trap. Uh he never, he never, never wipes down the sink. Nope. <laughs> uh, he's still in Seattle because he uh, appeared on KUOW Friday morning on another roundtable panel. Uh, whatever that week in review. Is it just called Week in Review? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, they stayed up all night thinking of the title. It's yeah. Week in Review. <laughs> uh, but he appeared next to a couple of uh, pretty straight-laced people, and the bulk of the conversation was about Seattle tax levy talk, which he uh, couldn't care less about between a lack of being informed and a lack of living in Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. So he mainly stayed on the sidelines, and it sounds like nursed his hangover. Um, but the highlight for him was getting a text from Carrie midway through that show asking where the dog diapers were. Uh, was it the neighbor's dog? Friend's dog? Somebody, a friend's dog. Daisy friend, May. Daisy May's in heat. 
and needs a diaper pronto. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that text would require, I would want a little context for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get a conversation about thunder shirts and dressing animals in clothes, which I have always been generally against. Um, I know that there's um, a purpose to that sometimes. Like in the winter, if you've got a dog or an animal with thinner coat, then giving them something for warmth makes sense. Uh, and I'm sure there are other practical purposes. But when I see pets dressed up in novelty outfits, I can't handle it. I think it's so awful. Yeah, I used to think it was hilarious and cute, but they clearly don't like it. So I have dressed <laughs> up. I dressed up Molly a few times in Halloween costumes, and she would just, like, mope and look so sad. And so I would take a picture and then take it off of her. Did, did you ever try a thunder shirt with her? Like yeah. literally when there was thunder? Cause that's yes. kind of one of her things. Right. Cause she was afraid of storms, um, quite a mm-hmm. bit. And actually that's been kind of nice is that now we don't have to be afraid of rain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Cause we always kept a really sharp eye on the, on the forecast. And like we had to give her, um, Xanax if it was going to rain and that would mm-hmm. help a lot. But yeah, so, um, we did try a thunder shirt on her and it didn't do anything and yeah. some dogs it works and some dogs it doesn't seems to work better on smaller animals than larger animals that's just my sense and they make them for cats too hmm. yeah i can see the practicality of it for that purpose uh but putting a diaper on rudy's head just seems cruel yeah that is cool <laughs> yeah um andrew is emotionally fragile i'm not sure exactly how we got into that conversation but we know it's generally true so i don't know we need to dissect it too much he has um, a house guest that won't leave. Well, that's, that's true. One thing. <laughs> um, but it gets Luke thinking about this time a couple of weeks ago when he was watching old Johnny Carson's, uh, and he watched a special episode uh, where Don Rickles came on and immediately starts calling Johnny Carson John. And if you Google Don Rickles John Carson, you'll actually find this episode. It comes up very quickly. Uh, and uh, Andrew's right. About Don Rickles. I went back and just, it doesn't live up. It doesn't last. It, it's The shelf life is not good on Don Rickles. Just being kind of a dick as his shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it wasn't particularly funny then, if saved by Ed McMahon laughing. Um, but uh, they talk about how it's a power move to just give someone you don't know a nickname. And I've seen that happen in my life so many times. Uh mm-hmm. I used to interact with the um, chairman of Delaware North and the owner of the Boston Bruins, Jeremy Jacobs. He's a University of Buffalo trustee. And one time while drunk, he just walked over to me and like tussled my hair and called me sport. (laughs) (laughs) And I just walked away. (laughs) Sport ace is another one. Pal. Buddy. Buddy. Yeah. Chief. Yeah. There's a oh chief, that's there, a great there's one. There's an old, uh, there's an old, uh, God, who's that comedian nobody likes anymore? Andrew Dice Clay, Dane Cook, Dane Cook. Yes, there's an old Dane Cook bit about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that that worked. Thank you. Uh, about that whole process of, of calling people those kinds of names. Uh, we also talk about gifs uh, or gifs, whatever, and drops that end just too soon. And this is. Uh, because Andrew has now admitted openly of his joy of, of Reddit subthreads. It's been yeah, a long I, journey. I, yeah. <laughs> I, took, I took that journey down those links that he provided in the newsletter. And I got to say, uh, Reddit is no more tolerable than the last time I looked at Reddit. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, but really what we're here for is the top story on Friday's uh, episode. Andrew, uh, 
has dropped his phone with no case on it, uh, or as he says, uh, he he barebacked his phone, uh, and uh huh. <laughs> he's actually been barebacking his phone for a while, uh, and drops it a lot, and has paid the price. First, he dropped it weeks and weeks ago at home. Then he dropped it again on his vacation. Then he dropped it again last weekend. And he swears that these Samsung Galaxy phones are extremely durable because he drops it over and over again, and it only continues to break. I usually, <laughs> I mean, I I never even handle my phone without a case on it. When, oh. I, when, it's, mm-hmm. when I first purchase it, or when, I will say, when Emily gets the phones because she's the one who gets them, I mean, it never gets handed to me without already <laughs> some protective yeah. case on it because... Right. Those things, and I, I've never handled my phone bareback, but I've handled somebody else's phone. I'm like, oh, fuck this. This is going to go flying out mm-hmm. of my hand really fast. No, it feels like you're handling a Fabergé it's egg. slippery. Yeah. Uh, and that's the end of that story. Oh, no, wait. No, it's not. There's like another <laughs> hour to this story. <laughs> uh, Andrew uh, passed up the opportunity to have his phone repaired for $350 by a 10 so that he could save $100 by having it repaired by a guy who lives in his store with a cat named Unit C. Uh, the cat sounds delightful. Everything else about this sounds horrible. The That's guy... what I call my Johnson, Unit C. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Units A and B? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a is the That's asshole, the B is the balls. Down there below, yeah. <laughs> Unit C. Oh, you asked, oh, Dan. A... Yeah. <laughs> no one to blame but myself. Yeah, <laughs> you 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 hitched a ride to Groston on that. <laughs> the restaurant I'm never going to. Um, so so Andrew has this uh, this actually very nice sounding young man repair his phone, and then he moves on with his life. And a few days later, he realizes it's cracked again, and the corner where it's cracked is dirty and has dirt in it. But he swears he didn't drop it again. Uh, he's convinced he did not drop it again, sincerely convinced, and he's stuck in a spot where he's not sure if he should demand that this uh, gentleman who he saved $100 going to the first time fix it again for free, or an alternate option he realizes, which is that he can actually go to T-Mobile, get a new phone, and lower his bill by $20 a month, and all he has to do is probably sell his soul to T-Mobile for two more years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is still somehow conflicted about what the right way to proceed is. If if you're happy and he seems very happy with T-Mobile, why not just do just it? Just do it. Yep. Jesus, it's not like it's not like like whenever their Sprint was so fucking bad, we were looking for any way to get out of that. Um, you know, if I'd broken my phone and they just said, "Well, you can have a, a cheap a cheap phone and we'll lower your bill if you just stay with Sprint for a couple more years," I would have driven to wherever that person was and jammed my fucking phone plan up their ass. <laughs> but we're with AT&T and it's fine. And if, if I drop my phone and they say, hey, sign up for another year and you get a you know cheap plan, I'm like, yeah. Why is this hard Yeah, mm-hmm. for yeah. him? Well, it's hard for him because he had the whole conversation where he backed this guy into offering to fix it for free, right? He kind of strong-armed him until the guy mm-hmm. wanting to stay on the ups with his customer agreed to take a big loss. And Andrew feels guilty about it now mm. he he re, he keeps talking about how 
regardless of what he decides, he wants to go down to the shop and talk to this guy face to face because he wants him to know that he wasn't lying about dropping his phone. And he's doing this because he knows he did something shitty to this nice person. He's trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to let himself off the hook. And the kid's never going to believe you. No. No. And this isn't going to make the kid feel better. This is just going to make Andrew feel better. Right. I think Andrew has found the Andrew of phone repair. And they're just going to be in an awkward, (laughs) semi-frustrated, but semi-polite stare down if he goes back. Uh, I don't know. I just, you know, obviously take the take the new phone. Well, I look forward to Monday's show being an hour of talking about that <laughs> that awkward off oh, with the guy. Well, maybe they should just save phone talk and wall it off and do it one day a week. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of notes here before we move on. Uh, one, we did get uh, listener feedback from listener Dawn, who said to us via Facebook Messenger, quote, how many fucking phones were broken during this fucking hour-long story about Andrew's broken phone? <laughs> that's my that's my favorite listener feedback ever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I hadn't listened to it yet, and she and she was like feeling really bad that she'd spoiled it for me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> don't feel bad. Uh, and uh, I have put this link on everyone I know the last uh, couple of months, but there was a an SNL bit over the holidays of Casey Affleck doing a commercial for Dunkin' Donuts as a quote unquote actual customer of Dunkin' Donuts. And my absolute favorite part of that commercial is when he gets a free donut coupon on his phone and he holds it up to the camera and it's an old like iPhone generation four with the screen completely smashed. Just shattered. (laughs) And all I could think of when he was talking about their friend who had calloused fingers from using a broken phone for so long was that guy's phone. Mm -hmm. Go back to Starbucks. Yep. (laughs) So I'll put the link in the show notes to that. I just, um, I'm so amused. Um, You can really, it says a lot about a person if they've got a broken phone for uh, a few days, that's one thing. But when you know somebody who's just got a smashed phone, um, you know. It's like the guy riding his bicycle to work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Something's gone wrong here. It's a sure Mm -hmm. sign of a DUI. Uh, and as I put at the end of my notes for Friday, the tens all seem very interested in understanding about the whole thing, and we're glad to hear Andrew's story. Because <laughs> it's just been a fucking tire fire on the tens page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that will do music for your weekend. Andrew brings Lady Ray, that's W-R-A-Y with Guilty. Luke brings the Rufus Thomas song, The Memphis Train, uh, which he uh, remembers from the movie Mystery Train. Uh, the Jim Jarmusch film. And Ashley in Dallas, friend of the show, right? And ours. Yes. Uh, one of our favorite people uh, brings uh, the theme song from the show Big Little Lies, uh, which is called Cold Little Heart. Uh, so that was good, too. And she said she gave us the short version because the long version's many, many, many minutes long. Three um, soulful choices from Music for Your Weekend. Uh, And with that, I'll push us right through into housekeeping, starting with the Archive Project. We have completed another month in the world uh, since it's now March, and so we are now drawing another Wagon Full of Loot winner. And I don't know who that is. I don't remember. So (laughs) who drew that name? And uh, I'm sure this was not Pricewaterhouse. It was a good auditing company. (laughs) La La Land. (laughs) (laughs) Or name... 
name randomizer that came up first in Google. Um, the winner for the February wagon full of loots, is that what we say? Yes. Um, is <laughs> Naomi Hilliard. Excellent. Yay! Here's where Naomi starts to give a speech, and then and then we tell her that she didn't win. <laughs> it's actually Bob Stein. <laughs> <laughs> So, Naomi, we will be contacting you for your address, and your wagon will be coming at wagon speed yeah. to your house. <laughs> uh, yeah, faster than a TBTL poster from 2010. Right. Uh, but slower than pretty much everything else. We'll figure out. Uh, one of us will uh, will send you your wagon full of loot from, uh, from our Whatever locale. City. Uh, to be determined. Uh, we won't announce it now because we want it to be a surprise and because we don't know yet who's doing it. Uh, Earbuds and Earworms, the latest episode is spoken word songs and it includes my favorite Tom Waits song, Jockey Full of Bourbon. So be sure to check that out. Um, there's a little bit more uh, flute and some hand boning in there too. Whoa. Yeah, just ham, a little bit. Ham boning. No, no, no. no, no, no. I'm going to go with hand. Uh <laughs> Nerd Out Loud's going to have a new episode out by the time you hear this as well. Uh, Christy, uh, I hear you're just too busy to record with Jeremy anymore. So uh, <laughs> no, he's found a new co-host. not what it happened, but sure. <laughs> he's found a new co-host, and that new co-host is Ellie, who I believe was making her co-host debut. Yes. She's done a couple just questions or things, but... It is pretty adorable how excited she is mm. um, because we told her, um, Jeremy put up some questions on Facebook or just said, hey, everyone, tell me, what should I talk to Ellie about? And she's like, I think I need to, I need you to set an alarm because I need to get ready. <laughs> I need to get my voice ready. I have to make sure the microphones work. She does a, more show prep than we do, basically. Yeah. Is yeah. She's got a run sheet ready to go. Right. <laughs> Sounds already better than Craig. Uh, if you're going to buy anything on Amazon, do Boom. go to redbedwagon.com slash Amazon. <laughs> and uh, one of these weeks, we promise, we'll, we'll recount the list of all the stuff that people bought recently. We're just running oh, yeah. a little too long for that today. Uh, <laughs> Meredith. All right. With some help from Stephen, let's do this. Get involved. Um, you should visit our website at littleredbandwagon.com. You can go to our Facebook page, um, find us there or on the Stens page. Our show Twitter is LRB Podcast. You can email us, send us a uh, – uh, throw your phone moments to littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. And you can send us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Show 200 in the books. Yeah. Um, I – uh, there's so many of us here. I don't know what order we're going to go in, but I guess um, whoever is going last, there's Steven, loud as a motherfucker. Yep. Um, <laughs> Steven's last. He's the sixth host. So I'm going to just, I'm just going to uh, throw it to uh, Christy to get us out of here. And then um, whoever's left after somebody says how much they love Jen, the rest of y'all should just try to nail it, I guess. Okay. Mike, you should say how much you love Jen. That's your line. Yeah, that's yours. Okay. I'll be back saying I love Jen. Until next time, this is the next party. Jen, we love you. And Jason, we love you for listening to all two hours of this extravaganza. (laughs) (laughs) Steven nailed it. (laughs) 
We need to do a countdown or something. Did someone start a motorboat? In alphabetical order. That's a different restaurant, Mike. Who goes first? Anne? Uh Anne. Anne, Bobby, Meredith. All right. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Oh, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like those clowns in Congress did it again. What a bunch of clowns. (laughs) How does he keep up with the news like that?